Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. All right. Everybody doing good? Everybody should be within their wake-up window now. Maybe. If I see you slipping, I'll get louder. Leaning in the pew. So, you know, this, this, this week as I just uh, prepared and prayed and, and, and sought the Lord in regards to, to what to share with you, you know, I was, I was thinking of the word about the word fight. You know, and I think that there are many things in our life that we fight for. Touch my kids, I'm fighting you. You know, if I, if I feel like I'm right and you're wrong in the workplace, I'm going to fight you. You know, like you, you think of all of these things that we fight for, these things that we believe for, but how often do we fight for, for the promises in which God has in His Word for us? One of the most strategic things that the enemy can do in our life is, is make us to believe that we are incapable of fighting. So if he, can, if he can make us believe that, he will isolate us. But I think fighting for the promises of God, what we receive in this life determines that if we ask and we pursue and if we really fight for those things or not. You know, when we look at that word fight, that is an action word. You know, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've never seen somebody fight and be passive. You ever seen a fight with somebody passive? Really wasn't a fight. You know, there's always movement, there's engagement, there's strategy, there's skill, there's all of these things involved in the process of when we say the word fight. So, so this, this morning, the title of my message saying, it is yours if you fight for it. Okay, so you have to know that promise to be true. There are tons of promises in the Word of God, but some of those you will only inherit and you will only possess if you fight for them. How many of you this morning say, well, I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. You know, I don't like to be aggressive. I don't like to be forceful. The enemy wants you in that configuration. He wants to isolate you. He wants to cripple you. He wants to make you think that you are inadequate for the kingdom war that is at stake while we are here on the earth. So this morning, as we look through these scriptures, as we look through this, we have to understand that not only does God ask us to fight, but he fights alongside us. He fights with us. And sometimes he fights for us and he requires nothing of us. There's different variables all through the word of God that we see this, this process happening. So mighty men and women of God always allow the Lord to fight their battles for them. You know, all through scripture, you know, you see God, you know, the victory was theirs when the Lord was on their side. You even saw in the Bible, there was a story of, they said, if, if God is for them, our attempt to defeat them is pointless anyway. There was this understanding that if God was on your side or if God was on their side, the victory was already theirs. Let's look at Joshua 1. Look at verses 1 through 17. This is kind of be some of the context that, that we cover. It's the story of Joshua, and we have to know that Joshua was the one that succeeded Moses. Moses was carrying this mantle of authority of leading the Israelites and out of Egypt into the promised land. And then Joshua was the one that carried that mantle forward. Okay, so the same mantle that was on Moses laid on Joshua. So Joshua 1, I'm going to read some of this text between verses 1 through 17. So starting in verse 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, 
Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give you to the Israelites. I will give you every place where, you're, where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittites' country, to the great sea on the west. Starting in verse 5, and it says in verse 5, No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And here's his commission. We hear this over and over and over again. It says, Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all of the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn to the, to the right or to the left that you may be successful in whatever, where, wherever you go. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, Go throughout the camp and tell the people, Get your supplies ready. Three days from now, we will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. So we, this, we see this whole story of there is, there is a transference, there is a commissioning in Joshua's life, but he's, there, there is guidance and there are specifics all through that, that that God has established. He said, you know, pay attention to the law, meditate it on day and night, do everything I say. And then he made him a promise. He says, you will go and you will inherit the land that I'm giving to you. So let's say at that moment they didn't do anything because what did he do? He commissioned the army. He said, three days from now, we're going to cross the Jordan. We're going to go and we will possess the land. That word possess, that mean, that, that's, that's an action word. That's not something just like, ah, oh, the Lord will go fight our battles. That required movement from the Israelites. It required them to be involved in the process, right? It was, this was not a passive thing, all right? So we see that, you know, every promise that God has for us, you know, we have to believe it and take action and sometimes fight along with what God has promised. You know, I've been thinking about all the promises that God has shown me for Harvest Time Church, but in order for us to receive those things, there has to be movement and response on our end. God can, God can reveal all of these things to us. Man, give us visions, give us dreams, show us these things. But if we passively just take a seat and say, all right, Lord, may your will be done, and we are not part of the process, very rarely, if ever, will we ever see those things come to pass. Because there is a time of seeking the Lord, there's, there's a time of hearing the Lord, and then there is a time of responding to the Lord. I don't want to be a guy that hears the voice, knows the direction we're supposed to go, and that remains passive. So as far as, as far as this church, I will lead the charge, but I'm also encouraging you each individually to follow rank, to be where God has called you to be. We have to understand that, you know, in, in, the, in the body of Christ, we all fight together. Deliverance was for everyone, including the babies, including the children. It was a collective thing. That inheritance was for everyone. It wasn't just for the warriors. So everybody plays a role to play, has a role to play. 
James 2, 14 through 17, it says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about the physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. There's times that God challenges, challenges us to believe in faith by action. You guys have ever asked God for something and then, you had to, then He told you what to do and you either did it or you shrunk back? You know, I know a lot of us are seeking to hear what God wants us to do and get direction for our lives, but some of you have not been faithful in the last thing God told you to do. So if you have not been faithful with the last thing he told you to do, why would he give you more instructions? He would say, go back and do what I've already asked you to do. And then I will give you the next step. But sometimes we don't like the direction. We don't like the, the, what the guidance that God is giving us. And we say, God, that's not what I asked. But remember, we're not God. We don't see the whole picture, right? We don't know why he's asking us to do what he's asking us to do. All he asks us to do is be faithful and obedient every time. We do our part, God does his part, and then we see the, the miraculous power of God invade the earth. Every single time when we partner with God, we never fail, guys. When we try to do it independently, we can fail miserably. If God's not in it, it will fail. But if God is the one leading the charge and he's asking us to do something and accomplish something, to fight for something that is in his heart and the promises and the blessing that he has for us, why would we not fight for those things that God has asked us and given us? I think some of us are really still afraid of the enemy. Well, what about the big bad devil? I don't know if you've read the book I've read, but at the end he loses. And in this life, day by day, we hold the keys to victory. Do you know as believers, the only way the enemy can have his way in your life is if you give him the keys back. And you willingly put your hands back out and you allow him to reshackle you with what God had set you free from. You realize that? Because on the cross, he set, free, set you free from everything. Now, some of us this morning, you say, well, no, yeah, I know. I know the story of Christ, you know, that our heart is transformed, that our mind is renewed, but I feel shackled still. That's because you have still believed the lie of the enemy. And you have not allowed the power of God to set you free. It's not something we can do within our own strength. But there has to be a willingness of yielding to the Lord, of asking him to come and do a complete work. We see it, but in, in this story of, of, Joseph, of Joshua, we see a transference of what Moses had to Joshua. In uh, Deuteronomy 34, 9, it says, Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. When there was that, when there was that power released from Moses to Joshua, he carried the same mantle and authority and power that Moses had. Now, how many of you seceding after Moses would be terrified out of your mind to fill those shoes? Even Scripture said there was no one like Moses who saw God, who, 
who God made the Ten Commandments for him twice because he broke them the first time. I mean, think of these stories in the Bible of who Moses was. What, how God restored him, how God cultivated him. And, and you are the guy to follow up with this guy. Intimidation. Like, I would be like, Lord, you are crazy. But what, what commission did he give him? Be strong and be courageous. And if you do, I will be with you just like I was with Moses. So there was this assurance that God had given Joshua that, that said, be confident in who I am. You know, God is not concerned about our inabilities to, to do good things or to accomplish things. All he wants us is to be willing to be used. All through the Bible, every single one of these men who were mighty men of God had flaws, had issues. You know, Moses was a guy that couldn't speak real well. He said, Lord, I, I can't. I don't know if he, you know, stuttered. I don't know if he was just not confident, what it was, but it says he had issues speaking. God wasn't worried about it. He was the one that God chose to do what he asked him to do. But we also see that he brought Joshua. He brought someone next to him to help him rule and help him lead. You know, Joshua was involved in the picture way before he succeeded him. He, he, was, he was on the front lines of war. He was the one that, you know, when he said, hey, go forth and take care of this, Joshua was the one that led them into battle at the command of Moses. Okay? So if we look at Moses' life just a little bit, his victories, you know, uh, we know Moses cro crossed the, the Red Sea much like Joshua crossed the Jordan River. Right? You know, you see the same things because I think what God was doing, he was proving himself just as faithful to Joshua as he was to Moses. Now, if I'm just Joshua, I'm glad I went through the Jordan River instead of the Red Sea. Because when I compare the two, Moses, man, yeah, God split a whole ocean so they could cross. Keep me where I'm a little comfortable just crossing the river. You know, we read that story of Moses. It says that the winds held, held it back all night long. Why did it take that long? Well, you ever tried to walk across the ocean? The Red Sea? I mean, you know, this huge, huge body of water it takes a while to get across. And it's you and your family traveling. So it was what was needed for them to get across. It says that he raised his hand, he raised his staff, and they parted. We know the whole story. You can go back and look at that if you want. It's in Ephesians 14, 13 through 28. But it just talks about, you know, how God had planned for them to be redeemed and to be free. And all through that, God was fighting their battles. He says, I am going to harden Pharaoh's heart, and this is what you're going to do. You're going to go to Tim, and you're going to tell him, hey, do this, or I'm going to do this. There was always an ultimatum. Pharaoh was hard-hearted, but it says that God hardened his heart, you know, so that his glory might be revealed, so that his people might be uh, able to go to the promised land. And you see this process of God just showing his power, showing his power, showing his power. And he finally got fed up and said, fine, you go and you worship your gods. And he released them. But we see this mighty power of God. You know, I wonder if Moses would have said, no, 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 Lord, you just deal with that. And he would have never done anything. Every time that you saw Moses respond, he was fighting for what the Lord had promised. He was fighting for it. You know, I'm, I'm sure he was asking, you know, because Moses was on a whole nother level with God that many, uh, you know, that I don't know how many other people have been that close. But, I mean, I, I don't know if there was side conversation. Lord, you really want me to go again? Are you sure this time? You said he was going to let us go. He keeps changing his mind. But he remained faithful. When he said go, he would go. 
And I think he would have continued to do it as often as the Lord would ask so that he might be obedient and that the power of God might be released. You know, there's times that we, we move forward and we accomplish things, but there's also times that we have to allow the Lord to fight our battles. When God asks you to move, though, you better move. Don't remain passive. Well, I'm not ready. It doesn't matter. When God says go, you got to go. When God says stop, you better stop. You know, I think on that journey, you know, it says that there was a, uh, a pillar in, in, in a cloud that they followed. And when, they moved, when those things moved, they moved. When it stopped, they stopped. Guys, that was their representation of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. We have that same thing inside of us, the Holy Spirit that says go and says stop. And if we yield to it, He will never lead us astray. We'll know what to do in that perfect timing. Exodus 17, 8 through 14. I don't know if you guys have heard this story, but it's, a, it's the story about the Amalekites and they're defeated. So Joshua goes down and he fights a battle and Moses goes up on the mountaintop and he looks down. And it was, it's a really awesome story because as Moses began to lift his hands, Joshua and his men, the army would begin to prevail. But the moment that his arms went down, the enemy get, began to prevail. If I'm Moses, I might be testing this. I'd be kind of like, man, look at that. Whoa. You know, I'm watching this process of saying, man, when my hands are raised, we see God begin to fight the battles. When my hands begin to be wearied and I begin to be defeated and I begin to get tired and overburdened and my arms begin to drop, I begin to see that battle lost. But look, this is the beautiful thing that happens. It says that when Moses' hands began to get weary, Aaron and Hur went up underneath and they began to uphold his hands. There were people that came around and began to hold those hands up, one on the left, one on the right. It says they even propped up rocks to hold them in place so that the victory would be ensured. So there's moments that we fight alone, but there's also moments, guys, where God begins to bring people around you that help you fight well. And he surrounded us with people that we can war with and that we can be victorious with. But what the enemy wants you to believe is that you fight alone and the victory is not yours. Because of your circumstances, what you see around you, your shortcomings, your sin issues, whatever it is in your life that the enemy can use against you, he is going to use it. The moment you doubt God, he is going to highlight that in your life and say, see, God didn't come through. He wasn't faithful in this situation. And if you believe that lie, you will be defeated. But we have to see God's light in every area of our life. We have to see when he fights when we don't do anything. But we also need to see when he fights when we respond to what he asks us to do. Some of you this morning got to lift your hands and you got to allow the victory to come back. Some of you need people around you to help you hold your arms because you've grown weary in battling. Because I believe there's different processes. And I don't know if you know, but as pastors, you war on behalf of the church. And there is going to be times where I need my arms held up. But God works through authority. He works through the leadership of the church. But if the church thrives and if the church is unified and we war together, we will prevail in every area of our life. Every area of our life. And that will affect the church, but it will also begin to affect your personal families. It will begin to affect your workplace. It will change everything in your life. 
When you choose to go to war for something you believe in and is a promise of God. When God says it, if we respond to it, it's done every time. One thing I've learned over my life, over the course of my life, is that God will give you an instruction or a command, but He is always waiting on a response from His people. Now, that's sometimes different for me than it is for you, but at the same time, when the Lord speaks to you and He asks you to do something, maybe it's something difficult. I mean, I know a lot of us, if it's simple, everybody would do it, right? But God tends to test our faith. Sometimes he He tests our confidence. So sometimes He asks us to do things we don't want to do, or we necessarily might not have the resources to do it. You guys ever had that happen? Where God asks you to do something, Lord, well, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know if God has ever led any of you guys to give sacrificially. What I mean by sacrificially is the bank account is not loaded and you don't have tons and tons of money in there. Sacrificially means that, you know, it doesn't look real good and you're looking how many days you got left till payday. Anybody ever been there? Like, ooh, not there yet. Eating bologna and bread for the next week. You know, you put it, you put it on spending lockdown. We're not buying anything else because you're trying to get there. And then at that moment, God asks you to give. Well, Lord, I don't, I don't, I don't know how, how am I, how do I do that? How do I give something I don't have to give? We have to understand that every good and perfect gift comes from Father above. And if he, has, if he asks us to give something we don't have, he has the resources to make it possible. Now, I'm not saying listen to the voice of the enemy and give foolishly. I was saying listening to the voice of God and allowing the Spirit of God to give you specifics in when to give. It's called spirit-led giving. It's spirit-led obedience. It's not just a formula of equation to create wealth, but it is obedience in what God is asking you to do. But God asks us to do hard things sometimes in order for His glory and His power to be revealed in the earth. Man, I I wonder when Joshua was asked and said, hey, you're going to go across the Jordan River. Man, I wonder if he was nervous. He said, man, how the heck is this going to work, you know? But he did it different. That, that was the difference, you know, because Moses, he just lifted his hand, he lifted his staff. But when, when Joshua and them went across, the, 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 the priests were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. The moment that they set foot in the water, it parted. So I don't know what's happening. You know, I'm sure Joseph's like, all right, let's go. Nothing, nothing. You get right up to the water. The moment their foot touches, it begins to split. And I bet Joshua was a sigh of relief. saying, oh, thank you, Lord. Man, was there doubt? Was there insecurity? Was, it, was there fear of, of not being able to ante up to the position he held? I believe so. I mean, I would not want to be super, you know, seceding Moses. But we have to understand that when God is on our side, guys, everything is possible. If he says to do it, believe it. God releases the most extravagant miracles and reveals his power through the application of our faith. So it requires us to say, if you say so, Lord, trust in the Lord and his power and his strength. So the commission that God gave Joshua was to be strong and courageous. I believe that being strong has has to do with the stability and the standing strong, not being moved, okay? Because that's required from leaders. 
from people of God, to be established, to be steady. But then he also says to be courageous. Courageous, I really believe, has to do with moving forward and believing that God would do what he promised he would do, that he stands to fight your battles for you. Deuteronomy 29.29, it says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may follow all the words of the law. We have to understand that the battle has always belonged to the Lord, but He wants us to release His authority in the earth through us. So I think about that, guys. If I learn to war with the Lord on my side, and my children begin to see God's faithfulness. How many of you know that there is going to be a confidence that they have that maybe I don't have because I've never seen that? You know, I, I just see it, you know, the movies or whatever where, you know, the, the, they're picking on me. So, well, let me go. I'm going to go get my big brother. And they, you know, he walks off and that, that's the demeanor that shifts when we have confidence in somebody taking care of us. When my children see the hand of God and the power of God involved in our life in mighty ways, more often than not, there is a confidence that begins to be built. But it says those things are for our children's and our children's children, that we begin to walk in a way, that we begin to lead in a way, that we begin to fight in a way, that we begin to war in a way that reflects people in, in, a, in a, a society that is God's. I know culture and society and politics, all of those things look like religion and God is going down, downstream and we can't get it back. But people that begin to stand up and allow God to, to restore His power in the earth will see mighty things. It's not over till He says it's over. Guys, got to understand that no authority has been set in place without God's authority. You understand that? Well, how did them guys get in office? I don't know. God had a plan in that. Maybe made you want to pray more. Put a present in there to shake your faith. You're like, oh, man, prayed more that year than you ever have. You know, but then we get somebody in there who we are comfortable with and we see ourselves and like, oh, he's got it. I think there is a part that we need to play in this big picture of fighting for it. If we fight for it, it's yours. All these promises that God has in his word. The battle has always belonged to the Lord. But he wants us to release his authority in the earth. You know, I think of David. You know, he, he was prepared. He was a man of war and he was a man of battle. You know, a lot of people said, man, he killed that giant. He said, yeah, but he had also killed a bear and a lion before that. This was not a mamsy pamsy shepherd that did not know the, the, the ways of war and battle. And, and I don't know if the brothers were ignorant of the conditioning that God had put David through. But he was a man of war. He was a man willing to fight. He stepped up to the line. He says, you are going to allow this man to, to blasphemy our God. You know, and I think David, you know, I picture him looking up and he's, he's pointing his finger and saying, oh, you got something coming. Because you come at me with, with sword and shield, but I come with you in the name of the power of living God. And that's what leveled him to the ground. You got to know that, man. It was, just, it was just the power of God. He was built for war. But he was the one that was willing to stand up when no one else. It said that Goliath would come out every day and the armies of the Lord would tremble out of fear. 
not out of reverence of who God was because the, the focus had shifted. They did not see God for who he was. A warrior in a king, a God familiar with battle, but that yet he never loses. If we fight in our own abilities, guys, we'll lose every single time. But if we allow the power of God to fight our battles for us, we will be victorious. Every single time. So this morning, I just feel in my spirit that God is calling you to be people of war. You say, what does that look like, Noe? Man, when we praise, it begins to shake the heavenlies, where the enemy begins to tremble and his voice is utterly silenced. When we begin to praise, shackles of defeat and strongholds begin to be broken off of our lives, and we leave this place changed by the power of God. When we get in the presence of God and we praise, we begin to see ourselves as God sees us, not as the enemy speaks over us, or maybe our family has spoken over us, but God, we see ourselves as God sees us. And that should supercharge us to say, oh, Man, God, you have built me fearfully and wonderfully made, and devil, you better watch out. Because everything within us, to those who believe and have been filled by the Spirit of God, there is everything within you that you need to be successful, to be overcomers, to be warriors on this earth. Don't shrink back. Don't just sit in a pew passively and say, oh, God doesn't require anything of me. I'm glad I get to go to heaven, and that's the end of it. Stand up for what you believe. Christians have been passive way too long. And the enemy has gotten a foothold, but he will be defeated. We gave him that foothold, guys. Said, oh, it's okay. It's all right. I don't want to offend anyone. When we keep backing up and we get put in a corner and we never stand up for what the truth of God's word says. Preaching today, man. Man, nobody ever be falling asleep today. <laughs> but he said, for the battle is the Lord's. That was David's heart. So how many of you have ever tried anything difficult and have succeeded? You ever tried it? Something hard? Okay. So, so the problem with trying something new is there is always the potential risk of failure. And some of us, that, that cripples us because we don't want to try it because we're afraid we're going to fail. So how many of you have tried something and you failed? Been there? Did that mess you up the second time around? You're like, man, I failed miserably. Or, or there, there, maybe there was a test that you really, really studied hard for. Now, Lord, I know you've given me a sharp mind, but in some of these tests that I've taken, I just am not an academic kind of guy that is going to make all A's. I thank God for C's and D's for my in college that he gave me a little bit different threshold where I could graduate still and be okay. You know, I, now for you straight A students, hey, praise God for you. But I just couldn't, you know, to where, man, you try so hard and you're like, man, I really feel confident about that test. And then you get it back and you like barely made it. Or maybe you failed it. Like, man, I tried everything. I studied everything. I thought I was going to pass it. And you fell. Well, sometimes those moments when we fail, it cripples us where we don't want to try again because we're, fear we're fearful of failure. We are familiar with failure. So I want to let you know, guys, failure is just another word for growth. The mo you have to allow those failures to cause you to grow and to change and to move forward. I would rather be continually failing than never failing because I'm not moving. You understand that? I can be safe. I can be conservative. I can be a preacher that says, you know what, let's just... 
John 3.16, God so loved the world, we're going to go to heaven. Man, I'm glad we're going to be there. Let's go to lunch. I can be safe, but I can preach a message like this that encourages me, that causes me to get out of my comfort zone and shakes me to do something for the kingdom of God. You know, oh man, you're getting a little radical this morning. I had somebody share with me, said, man, you know, I just appreciate your consistency when you preach and you don't yell and you don't raise your voice. If I do it this morning, I'm sorry. But there's something inside of me that is stirring in me that says God is a God that is victorious. And he's calling people to fight for what you believe in. No longer be passive. Some of you say, man, I don't even know what to do. Just run forward. Like, I don't even know what you look like a, like a maniac. Oh, what am I doing? I don't know. But man, God wants to stir some movement in your life because you've been passive for too long. So we have to look at each and every obstacle or challenge that we face as an opportunity to trust God and possess the blessing that God has for those who try and succeed. We have to see those things as God's promises for us. I feel like that there is a, 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 this huge treasure chest of blessings and, and things that God has for us, and he's put them in this big treasure chest, but he requires us to open it, to grab those things and to pull them out. But some of us just look at that chest and say, man, that is a really nice chest. I wonder what's in there. You never open it up and receive the benefits of what's in it. And the enemy is 100% okay with you doing that your whole life. But you will never receive all that God has for you if you don't open the chest. But you got to do it by force. You got to do it by sure willpower. You have to fight and you have to actively move. One of my favorite scriptures, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Some of you this morning, I know as I talk, you were like, well, Noah, you don't understand about this. Well, that scripture to me said all things. So whatever you're, you're you know, you're kind of trying to work yourself, say, well, but you don't understand this situation or you don't understand what I have been through. That scripture, when I read it, it says all things. That the strength of the Lord, that the provision of the Lord in all things will be made available to me, to those who ask and those who seek. All things. Some of you, you know, I know you don't want to try new things outside of your comfort zone because of, of, of a few things. First off, the fear of man. So the fear of man, what that is, is you care too much about what people think. Now, when you're in high school, this is the number one threat. Got to look good, got to act good. I care what people think around me. And it isolates us all the way through high school. And then we're like, well, when I'm in college, I'm going to be myself. And you go to college and it's the same thing, but it's more because then your identity is attacked and they are asking you, hey, you know. So that fear of man, what do people think? What, do people, what are people's perception of me? Do I look like a person that has it all together or do I look like a maniac? I mean, that's, I, mean I think we are super concerned about how people perceive us. So one of the things that, you don't allow, that we don't, that don't allow us to really get outside of our comfort zone and pursue those things, fear of man. Second thing, fear of failure. How many of you, if you would never fail, would try anything? Be honest. How many of you, though, because of that fear of failure, you have not tried a few things? Or we call it failing conservatively. As long as that failure margin is real small and it's a low risk, I'll try it. Saw this picture of the guy tightrope walking across the volcano this week, came up, 
Said he was just praying the whole way. I would be too if I'm tie roping across a volcano. But think of that situation. If he falls, what's up? What's going to happen? It's game over. One way ticket to Jesus. That's it. No safety. You know, you think of the, at the carnivals, they, got, they have what? What do they have in place? Safety nets. You see them bolt. Ah, yeah, just swing, let go. Got a net. Remove the net and see how they respond. Will they be that confident? Most people will not. But we have to allow our faith and our confidence solely rest in God. That's what it comes down to. Those who hope, hope is in the Lord, their strength shall be renewed. And they shall accomplish all of these great things. So fear of man, fear of failure. And then some of us are control freaks, for no better way to put it. We cannot control the outcome, therefore we're not going to try it. Too many loose variables. Well, I would do it if I knew this person would come through, but I'm not going to do it because I can't control that variable. You cannot control the outcomes. All through the stories in, this, in the Bible, the linchpin of everything was God coming through. When they were crossing the, the, the Red Sea and they were crossing the Jordan River, they were cornered. If the river, if the ocean did not part, they would have been utterly destroyed. But when God says, you shall pass through on dry ground, you shall pass through on dry ground. Now, in our minds, we don't understand it. You know, our over-stimulated brains probably would have said, well, Lord, how, how exactly? You know, I still think about that. How in the world did that, you know, but he says he, he caused, caused, I think, the east wind, west winds to push on that water. But my mind would have just, if I'm trying to figure it out in the natural, it would have made no sense to me. How in the world can that happen? That is, has to be nothing short than a miracle of God. You can't get buckets of water and throw them out of the way quick enough to cross. God was going to have to come through. But every time that we trust in what God says he would do and we take those steps to move forward, like Moses lifting that staff or just Joshua saying, let's go forward. I wonder if them priests were looking back at, at Joshua you sure? Like, they're, they're going. They're looking back saying, all right, man, God's going to get you if the Ark of the Covenant falls in the river. You know, they just start walking. But as soon as their feet hit, it splits. And we see God continually, story after story, opportunity after opportunity, proving himself strong. Many, many people in the Word of God were so fearful of their abilities and what God had asked them to do. But everyone that, that trusted in the Lord, they saw results. So God always responded to these people who were concerned about being good enough. Be strong. Be courageous. I will help you succeed. I will give you grace to accomplish all that I desire for you to do. If we look at Paul's life, we know Paul wrote a ton of the New Testament, right? You know, but if we, it says that... Uh, in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, it says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, this was what Paul was writing. He says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Verse 8, it says, Three times I pled with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So then his response is, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, not my sake, not for my own comfort, that, that I delight in weakness, in insult, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. 
How many of you can say that? Not all, maybe only if I'm having a good day, right? You know, but I, I, am, I, rejoy, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. And you are going to have a, a Facebook post like no other if you meet any of those. I mean, you know, I'm not putting any names out there, but, you know, yeah, bad. I mean, it is just, that is a hard pill to swallow. But he celebrated it, right? And then he, he ends by saying, for when I am weak, then I am strong. So we see where our inadequacies are very evident, the power of God is also very evident. Every single time. You know, I read a whole lot of commentaries about this thorn in the side thing. You know, they never specify what it is. You know, some say it was eyesight. Some say it was malaria, different things like that. Um, some say, you know, it was a besetting sin that he had. But what we see, the criteria of what it says, it was a messenger of Satan. He asked for God to remove it, but it was not removed. So we kind of see a little bit of like Job's life. Like he was pleading with God, take it. But he says, no, I'm not going to take it because it's going to keep you humble. Because there was, a, there was a risk of him being prideful and arrogant because of his great accomplishments by the power of God. But then we see that he, then he shifts and, and God says, but my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Y'all ever had a real bad splinter in your foot or in your hand, and you got to get it out? Like some people, are like, oh, I ought to just come out on. I'm talking about one of those ones. You got to get it out. Anything you touch, you go to lay down at night, and the covers touch, and it's like, oh, man, it causes that excruciating pain. Like, think of this. This is, but it is unremovable. It's continually there. It is always reminding you that it's there. But God says, whatever it is, my grace is sufficient. So let me reflect on just one thing, because I don't want you to guys to hear me say that I am advocating for a sin issue or something in your life to be there because it's going to buffet you to be all that God has called you to be. You didn't write all the New Testament, so I don't know if there's that much arrogance that can be within us like there was Paul. But I believe that if God leaves something there, that's okay. But I think more often than not, he wants to remove everything that hinders us. Because when he removes those things, when he removes those thorns in our side, it reflects his power and his grace in our life. Now, some of you have really maybe believed that, and that lie of saying, well, maybe this is just my thorn in the side. I just can't get rid of this. Just my downfall. The moment you say that, you're agreeing with the enemy and the power of God is not available. Because you remove God from the equation. But what Paul did, he said, if you are willing, three times, Lord, I'm asking you. Maybe you just haven't asked enough this morning. Maybe you haven't trusted God. But if you have just accepted it, then you remove God from the equation. You understand that? I believe this morning all of you are pinpointing something in your mind like, oh, yeah, Pastor, no, he didn't say this, but I think that's what he's talking about. Like if if you really identify it with yourself, what is something in your life? Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's adultery. Maybe it's not guarding your eyes in whatever way that looks like. That's not just a guy problem. That can be a girl problem too. Something in your life that is hindering you, but it's not a thorn in your side, but it's the plan of the enemy to cripple you so that you cannot be all that God has called you to be. But I believe the power of God is here this morning to release you from all of that. God's promise is to set us free. 
You know, but if we fight, if we surrender, if we allow him to do our, our part, our, his part, he will forever change us. So I'm here to tell you today, guys, that, you know, whatever the case is, we win. Do you realize that? At the end of it, we win. God wins. He's on his throne. He doesn't get knocked off his throne every time something happens and we're like, oh, are you okay, God? He just shakes his head and looks at us like, I never get rattled. God doesn't have bad days. So when we fight the battle that's already, when we, when we fight, you know, we have to understand that we are fighting a battle that is already won because the power of God is on our side. He says, it's not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So when we worship, guys, we, we, it, it is warfare in the heavenlies. It causes things to shift. It causes things to happen. It causes our lives to change. So what are some practical ways? How do we fight? So we, we fight through praise. We fight through prayer. We fight through perseverance. And we fight by a pursuit towards God. So praise we praise through the storm. We release God into our situation, and we allow God to go before us. Something we do. I mean, sometimes I think, uh, if, you, if you're ever going through something, and I don't know if you've ever practiced this, if you have worship music on in your home or anything like that, when you begin to release an atmosphere of worship in your home, it changes everything. That doesn't always fix everything. I've still gotten in a fight with my wife when worship music's going on. <laughs> It's not the cure-all to where it's like, oh, it just makes everything. But it sets the atmosphere right where there is at least the potential for God to be involved in that process. But it just changes that atmosphere. It allows good things to happen. When we pray, when we pray, uh, it allows us to know the heart of God. It allows God to help us in our situation. What about perseverance? James 1.12, you know, there is a reward for those who persevere until the end. You know, perseverance looks like a dog holding on to a stake. Once he sinks in teeth, and he is ruthless and he does not let go. Don't give up on the promises that God has for you. Hold tight to those. Persevere through those. What if breakthrough was happening today and you were going to give up? Today, I'm talking about addictions, whatever's in your life. What if today was the breaking point where God just decided to move by the power of his might and you were forever freed? Perseverance, guys. We allow God to do his part as we do ours. What about pursuit? Pursuit. I really believe that word where he said, and then you will possess, go possess the land. That's all about pursuit. The action word that requires movement allows us to follow a specific instruction of the Lord. When God says move, we move. When he says stop, we stop. When God promises it, we pursue or fight for it, and the promise is ours every single time, guys. When you come to the knowledge of who you are and you surrender your life to Christ, the Lord gives you a new heart and begins to renew your mind. But this is what you have to know today. But he also desires to set captives free. I'm so amazed that the Israelites got to the place of where they wanted to return from the place God had delivered them from. They were shackled. They were beaten. They got to the place of when they got a little hungry or the journey got a little weary where they said, it's better for us to go back to Egypt where at least we know 
my man, I'm like, are you serious? You would rather go back and be shackled because of a little flesh hunger pain or a little bit of comfort in knowing you have a place to sleep. But you got to understand, they had not yet arrived to the promised land. They were so close. And they began to look backwards to what they knew and what they were familiar with. But when he removes the shackles from your hands and feet, he will set you free. You know, I remember uh, my dog when he was little, and I was training that dog uh, to what they call, you know, leash training. It's super simple. You just tie him to a post and you leave him there. It's called giving to neck. They figure out that, hey, when that leash is on and that, you know, if you ever had a dog that pulls you down the road, tie him to a post for a little bit. He will get accustomed to not pulling on a rope because he knows when that rope is on there and that leash is on there, they are out of control and they are literally tied to it, right? So I would, I would leave them there for long periods of time, you know, and then I would walk up, and this was the amazing thing. He would be tied off, then I would walk up and I would remove the, the leash from him and I would set it right next to him. He had been set free from that post, but he had been so conditioned to being in bondage to being bound, to being tied to that post where he did not know once he was free that he could leave. And it wasn't to that moment till I said, hey, come here, you're free. And he would stand up. I, I don't think he would look at the post, but he would just trust the word and he would run off and he would take off and then I'd have to chase him around the yard to get him back because he had been set free. This morning, so many of us are so used to being tied to that post of sin and stronghold in our life that even God has set us free and we're still sitting next to that post because we think we are bound. But if the enemy can make you believe that you are still bound, you will never strive to pull because that dog, when he was little, he would pull and pull. And I would just sit there and say, when is he going to give up? But at some point, there was a breaking point. So I can't do it. There's the same illustration about an elephant. You've ever seen the, the, how they bind an elephant, you know, a little rope around its ankle and put it to the, to the tie it off to a stake. Like, how the heck can an animal of that magnitude be bound by that? When they're little bitty, they condition them. From being very, very little, they, when they are little, they cannot break that twine or whatever the rope is. Well, they grow up and they get bigger and stronger but their mindset is still wrong where they think they are incapable of breaking that rope. Now, we know if that elephant just wanted to go like this, oh, he could do whatever he wants. But many of us in the house of God have been so conditioned to being in bondage and tied to sin, and we feel hopeless and defeated where it is impossible to break free. But today, God is, be, is, is removing that shackle. You know, he is, he, is, he is encouraging you, saying, you have been set free. Today, whatever has you bound, Father God wants to release freedom in your life. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.